Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and market channel. Great to have your company as we kick off the PM daylight saving time, as we always do with the call at midday every day. And big welcome to uh, those following us and watching us on Facebook Live and also Twitter Live at the moment. Great to have your company. Uh, the call is all about what stocks to buy and what stocks not to buy. Uh, stocks to sell, stocks to hold. Uh, the call is all about looking at 10 stocks that have been suggested by our viewers. They email or, or tweet them through to us and we put those uh, suggestions through to our panel of experts. And uh, today, what a day the share market is uh, going through at the moment. Big rise on Wall Street overnight after Pfizer announced that uh, they were close to their vaccine and uh, bringing it out. and. They're going to have 50 million doses by the end of the year, 1.3 billion next year. And of course, uh, all the companies that uh, will benefit from an opening up of economies have gone through the roof, not only in the US, but also here in Australia. Our expert panel today, you can't get any better than Mark Morland from Team Invest. Mark, good to see you. <laughs> good to see and you. And Scott Phillips from Motley Fall. Scott, great to have you aboard as usual. Um, what do you think of this market rally, Scott, today? Um, it's interesting. Our market currently up almost 100 points, but it hides the fact that, that tech stocks and gold miners have taken a battering. Um, but a lot of the, the other companies that will benefit from the opening up of the economy have gone through the roof. Yeah, Koshi, amazing, of course. And, and we should say, too, this is in the context of a month of November that's already up, must be seven, seven and a half percent by now. Um, so an astonishing first 10 days of the month. Coming on the back of the US overnight, where it had the similar kind of scenario, US futures last night were up about three and a half percent. The market closed up, but only about 1.2. And even there, as you say, massive swings. Travel companies up 25, 30, 35 percent. Some of the cruise lines, Disney up 12% because the park might reopen, but Zoom down 18%. And that, <clears throat> that pattern was pretty much the, the forerunner of what we were expecting on the, our market today. And it hasn't disappointed. We're seeing, as you say, plenty of economy opening up stocks, up strongly, and plenty of online stocks, businesses that were supposed to do well, maybe if we stayed home, stayed locked down, uh, are yeah. really struggling today. Kogan, Redbubble, um, Afterpay is down. So very much that kind of, you know, the, the, the at-home economy, are doing badly, yep. the get out there economy doing pretty well today. Yeah, uh, but Mark, tech stocks down as well. Altium down, mm. um, Prometicus is down, Pushpay's down, Appen's down, uh, Technology One's down. It's sort of a real, even though the top line up 100 points for yeah. the market yeah. is fantastic, um, it's a real mixed bag, yeah. isn't it? It's pretty irrational, yeah. really. I mean, what's changed? I mean, having a, uh, a vaccine, well, it's not even here yet, it's yeah. in the process of coming. Uh, as if that's going to change the fortunes of Altium and Technology yeah. One and PMN. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's totally irrelevant. Yeah. Now, what it is, is obviously 
sentiment. You'd assume maybe some, uh, and maybe it's retail investors are selling off uh, some of those stocks to be able to pile money into travel and stuff because yep. they see that is now jumping up, yep. which is too late anyway yep. if you're trying to do that. So you yep. don't, if you buy the travel stocks today, uh, and sell, so you sell your tech stocks low and pay the higher price. Yeah. I mean, that exactly. really works, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 that's right. Well, sort of Pfizer have come out, obviously, pretty bullish yeah. overnight saying we'll be have about 50 million doses by the end of the year, yep. 1.3 million next year. There's another, I think, five within the next month that are finishing phase mm. one. So it looks as though there is a move towards a vaccine and yep. these vaccines Very encouraging. Uh, are doing pretty well. So... In those travel stocks that have been battered so much, mm-hmm. who in your mind, give us two stocks yep. that are best leverage for that recovery? Well, um, for Team Invest, our two favourites are uh, Corporate Travel and Flight Centre right. in that category. In fact, both, I had a look at them again this morning and I actually bought, I bought some Corporate Travel in April and I bought some more about two weeks ago. Right. Um, uh, I, I prefer Corporate Travel over Flight Centre, but actually looking at it today, they're both very, very good stories. And the reason we love them is that <clears throat> they're both led by uh, very successful, proven founder CEOs that have got massive skin in the game. Yep. Um, that's, a big, that's a big one. Um, and secondly, they've both cut costs uh, significantly. I think Flight Centre has taken 70% Wow. Of their fixed overheads out of the business. So when they come out of this, they're going to be super re-engineered. Lean. Yeah, super yeah. lean. Uh, they've obviously got rid of all dead wood. All marginal yeah. shops have gone. Uh, they've cut pretty deeply. Uh, they've also done a, a capital raise as well. So they've got no debt and plenty of um, both of them have got strong yeah. liquidity and uh, available funds. Um, and they're both serious players on the global front. Right. Uh, Flight Centre said that when they come out of this, uh, they'll be more than 50% in corporate, which is different. Uh, their corporate business has been growing, but it doesn't mean they're getting out of leisure. It just means that from a balance point of view, corporate's going to be the biggest right. part. And, and the reason is it's much more profitable uh, for them. Right. Um, and it's also um, uh, a larger potential growth area and more reliable. Right. Because you okay. do a deal with a company to handle all of their travel for their execs and so on. Yeah. It might be $100 million a year or something. Yeah. And you know you've got the $100 million yeah. apart yeah, from yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as we yeah. come back from this, my my view is that we're going to bounce um, very, very strongly right. uh, back on flights as they become available. I know right. myself and my wife and everybody I know can't wait to get on a plane to go overseas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think it was Flight Centre uh, did a study and they said there was only 3.5% of the population that aren't keen on travelling when they can. Wow. Okay. Know, so in other words, 96.5% right. want to get back on a plane. So corporate travel on Flight Centre. Yeah. Scott, what are the, give us the two stocks that you think will be uh, best to rebound and leverage to this opening up? Yeah, Koshi, I mean, those are those are very different questions, right? So the best two travel stocks aren't necessarily the ones that are most likely to bounce, the ones that are most strongly leveraged to a recovery, uh, right. because you take on more risk, right? The ones that are most vulnerable now are the ones that have the most upside if the news turns out to be good. On the flip side, if the good news takes longer than expected or it's not so good, they're also the ones most likely to crash and burn. So you've got to be really, really careful with biggest or best bounce. That being said, uh, just to leverage Mark's point quickly, and I will get back to your question, Koshi, I promise. Um, yeah. the, the time to buy these stocks, as Mark alluded to in the beginning of his comments, was actually months ago. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, by the time the news is in, as Warren Buffett says, you pay a high price in the stock market for a cheery consensus. By the time the news <laughs> is good, guess what? You know, uh, corporate travel's up from 8 to 18. Uh, Flight Center, I don't have the numbers on me. Webjet's up from 250 to 480 or so. Um, yeah. Now we're saying, well, which travel stocks to buy? The, the answer, of course, was buy them previously. Now, that's hard to do in the teeth 
of the bad news, but it's the right thing to do. Look, my favorite two travel stocks, I'll, I'll also take corporate travel. I'm a shareholder for the record, so let me put that uh, out front. I like corporate travel a lot. I think it's got a long way to come back. I also like Webjet, uh, and not for dissimilar reasons to Mark liking flights. And I'm, I like all three, by the way, uh, but I also own Webjet. So I'll, again, I'll, I'll talk my book there, but at least also disclose that. I think Webjet's got a long way to come back. I think you asked the question, Webjet is the stock that probably has the biggest bounce yeah. back if and when uh, corporate, uh, corporate and sorry, leisure travel returns. And I think yeah. that's, yeah, it's, it's, I think corporate travel is the higher quality of the three. I think Webjet's got the most bounce back <clears throat> potential from the current price, largely because it hasn't recovered much yet, which means it's got a fair way still to go. Sure. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's get on to the uh, the 10 stocks that uh, our viewers want us to take a look at. And first up, Scott, uh, Lewis, Louis wants a, uh, a view on the Commonwealth Bank, the biggest of the big four banks. Koshi, it's a great list of stocks, by the way, today. So I hope our viewers stay tuned because it's going to be a fun hour. Um, Commonwealth <laughs> Bank, look, I, I, it, is the, it is the highest quality Australian bank. Frankly, the news today uh, about the vaccine, and I've got to say, look, I'm, I've been an optimist now for weeks, as you well know, you viewers well yep. know. Nothing that I've seen in the last month has deterred my optimism one iota. In fact, every time we get a new bit of data, building permits yesterday, consumer spending, confidence, consumer confidence, business confidence out this week, um, the numbers seem to be going in exactly the right direction. That takes a lot of risk away from the banks. Now, it doesn't take all the risk away. JobKeeper finishes at some point. Banks have to start calling in those bad debts at some point. The problem I have is that most of that recovery is kind of already there. If you look at that chart alone, from you know the best part of 55 $56 to 72 the recovery is kind of already baked in. The PE is not cheap at all for the banks. There was a time to buy them. That time is not now, even with that optimism, because you've got to ask yourself, where does the house price growth come from? How bad do the bad debts get? Very hard to look at the current price, the current business and say, gee, the risk rewards in favor of the reward right now. So I wouldn't buy Commonwealth Bank, I have to say. I think it's a lot less risky than it was a month ago. Equally, the price is up meaningfully as well. So it's a safer bet today, but I think there's a, a much lower chance of market outperformance. So I wouldn't be buying Commonwealth Bank today. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. We agree. CBA is the best of the uh, big big four banks. I right. mean, Macquarie is very good, but that's different. Right. Um, I think I agree uh, totally on the pricing issue. It's currently on a 16.6 PE. And banks, if you look at the long-term trading ranges, that's high right. you know, for a bank. And they've also got pretty significant headwinds from my point of view. No, yeah. Combank's not going anywhere. Yeah. The question is, if you if you own it, that's one thing. <clears throat> if you're going to buy it, would you buy it now? And I would say no. And the reason is we're showing it returning about minus 1% per year over the next five years if they just continue doing what they're doing. Wow. And the problem is their earnings turned down in 2015. So growth had been slow. Uh, it used to be better, then slowed down, then dropped. And the so what that means is the uh, current growth rate averaged over six years is minus 3.9%, uh, which is not good. Because yep. if your earnings are going down, it obviously affects your ability to pay dividends. Yep. It also long-term will affect the uh, price because okay. obviously uh, uh, the uh, the uh, PE is going to come down yep. with okay. that uh, on the growth. So it's, way, it's too expensive, a lot of headwinds. So I wouldn't be buying it if I owned it and I had a low cost base and uh, you know then I probably wouldn't sell it. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> would you buy any of the big four banks? No. Would you buy Macquarie? No. Okay. Scott, <laughs> would you buy any of the big four banks? And the no, I wouldn't, wouldn't buy any of the big four banks because you're on the same basis. The whole sector is expensive. But if I was going to, I'd actually bargain hunt and buy the cheaper PE stocks on the basis of simple mean reversion. Tends to be true. If you're looking at the sector, I just go cheapest rather than rather than best in that space right. because they tend to move as a pack. Macquarie, I would buy. I think Macquarie is worth buying. It's Macquarie is always hard. 
Uh, very hard to know what they'll be doing business-wise in five years, let alone how much profit they'll make. It is genuinely, I would say, a jockey bet, but it's a jockey's bet, plural. Uh, you're betting on the people who walk in and out of the silver yeah. donor offices every day or log on remotely via Zoom um, to, to go and earn you an excess return. That's a pretty good bet, I think, generally speaking. Uh, but it's very, very hard to predict it with any conviction. Okay. Yeah, and, so just, and from our point of view, the, the reason, and I have been a shareholder in Macquarie, back in 2009, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it for a few years and did very well. The problem with Macquarie is exactly what Scott said, is you don't know what they're going to be doing. Right. And one of our criteria is we want to understand the businesses we're investing in. Right. So okay. you really are banking, you're banking the uh, management, and it used to be called the you know, Millionaire's Factory, millionaire I'm not sure factory. whether it still yep. is or not, but, and the reason it was called that was because uh, it made plenty of millionaires out of staff. <laughs> right. But you, know, it's a, you, eat, you eat what you kill in Macquarie. Right. So the whole the whole process is you bring in deals to the bank and then you get a cut. Yeah. Uh, so you can make a lot of money. Yeah. And if you're not good, you're out the door. Right. So it's a, I like it. I mean, it's a very very uh, good capitalist uh, uh, organisation that's paid on merit. Right. So I really love all that. But very complex to understand. Sure. Okay. You're, really, you're backing management. Okay. All right, uh, <coughs> Mark. Uh, Phil wants a view on Index. Now uh, you would call this a, a mining services yep. company, wouldn't you? It provides. Uh, Drilling fr- fluid products, uh, they basically sink the holes for a lot of explorers and get all the data and things like that in the, uh, in the oil and gas sector and also the mining area. Uh, what do you think of him? Um, it's never passed our, um, our filters and the reason is it's been all over the shop. Now, to be fair, mining is quite uh, cyclical. Yeah. You know, so it's hard for a mining services company to have you know, linear earnings growth, but it really has been all over the shop and it's... Um, it's currently, uh, um, you know, we're looking at it, it's showing a, a negative return on a margin of safety. And what a margin of safety figure is for us is it takes, it looks at the last six years and says, okay, what have they done on earnings? What are they, what's their debt been and so on? And it calculates out a, a, a conservative view of what's likely to happen going forward. So right. it is conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And we're minus three percent oh, okay. on that. But on default, which is saying if they just continue with the way they've been going, you'll get 32% return. Oh. So that's a massive divergence. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. So we err on the, uh, what we like to do is get preferably 10% on a margin of safety if we can. Right, okay. Knowing that 88%, 87% of the time, the performance will be out, over, out better than that. Right, okay. Um, but it's, it's all over the shop. At the moment, uh, it's on a PE of uh, 22.6, which is not cheap. And uh, its um, stability of sa- uh, uh, earnings is really low. It's 22%. Right. Uh, we want 60%. Because of- because of, of that all the, cyclical yeah, yeah. issue. A return on equity just passes, and it's got quite a lot. Uh, no, it doesn't have, doesn't have much debt. Other than that, okay. it looks all right. Scott? Yeah, I think it's hard to pay a P of 25 times for a cyclical business, Koshi, pretty broadly. Now, you can take the uh, contrarian view and say that often people will say commodity and cyclical businesses, you want to pay a high PE of low earnings because that tends to be the bottom of the market. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the high PE kind of gives you a sense, a bit of a ringing bell, that um, earnings then by definition are at their lowest, and that's what drives the PE up. And over time, you actually get growing earnings that help to offset that high PE. Now, that's the theory with cyclical businesses. Um, I tend to be on Mark's page on this one. Unless you believe there's reason to think it's going to continue to grow from here. Ironically, I don't like commodity businesses, but you almost are a safer bet trying to bet on cyclicality commodity-wise than mining services because you've got so many other pieces that happen <clears> behind <throat> the scenes. There's a chance, uh, maybe even a decent chance, that the recovery of economic activity puts more business into indexes lap, and they actually manage to do reasonably well from here. Um, so again, any of these any of these comments or recommendations are not absolute certainties on either side of the ledger. It's simply a case of probabilities. I don't yeah. like the probability. I don't think there's a really strong case for the probability that index outperforms. 
there's no continuing business as mark said you know you can try and find a, a time frame to extrapolate hope it does well uh, certainly that graph over the five years looks pretty impressive um, but i have to say it's very hard to know specifically what drives that share price ever higher from here and yeah. if you don't have a strong conviction, you're best to leave it alone. Okay. All right. Just one thing to add to that too. Yes. I've just looked at it a bit further. Their, their sales growth has been 40% a year over the last six years average with 96% stability. That's really good. Yeah. Earnings are zero because they've been losing money all the way through. They're just getting to the point of uh, you know, just past break even, ah, which right. also would support um, Scott's view because if the earnings are only just starting to pick up now, so the P is less relevant, assuming... Yeah that trend's going to continue. Right. Yeah, then it would yeah. look quite cheap in a few years. Yeah. But I don't know. So they I look at the history and go, well, they've been really good at losing money. Right. Yeah. So will they suddenly become Build, good at Building sales, money? but lost by yeah, sales. Yeah, sale, but because now. the sales are so strong, that's encouraging because at least you've got revenue coming in at a very strong growth rate. So yeah. then it comes down, why? what's management doing that they can't turn that into profit? Sure. Or are they now? You need to understand the business a lot more and you need to do some homework. Okay. All right. Um, <coughs> Parrish um, has uh, emailed in, Scott, uh, they um, want a view on Xero, the big uh, accounting software platform for, mm. for small to medium-sized businesses, started in, in New Zealand, one of those great little New Zealand tech companies that New Zealand seems to, to throw out, dominates uh, Australia now um, and, and expanding overseas. What do you think of Xero? Gosh, you say New Zealand tech company, I say Australasian success story, mate. We're claiming. Follow out Russell Crowe, Zero will take the lot of them. Have Um Look, I, I think the look, Zero is a wonderful business. Rod Drury has done a spectacular job building this company. It really was the granddaddy of the software as a service businesses, the recurring revenue businesses that kind of bought that concept to public attention. And I think a lot of us have a lot to thank Zero for because you know the business that lost a lot of money for a very long time yep. and then suddenly started to mint some cash. Um, that story really was personified, if, if a company can personify something, by zero. And the res results have been very, very, very good. Um, this was a stock that was, I, I think, I want to. I looked at it about 14 bucks. If it gets to 10, I'll buy it. Well, guess what? I didn't get to 10. I guess what? I didn't buy the shares. Uh, so I, I, rue the, I rue the day I, I missed the chance to buy zero. It would have been a 10 bagger by now. The, the story really for, for me is if you believe the company continu can continue to add users, add businesses, add accountants to its database, and then what they call land and expand. So you want to get a customer, then you want them to use other products, other software platform, sorry, other software services on your platform. Let me spit that out. So zero, a good chance of doing it. Here's the thing. They've done a really great job of getting new customers, of growing the market, of attracting and retaining customers and growing the, the average revenue per customer. Those are really great stats. I haven't bought the stock. I'm not a strong buyer at the moment. P is over 100. Um, maybe we might look back and I might rue the chance with the two in front of the share price and they go, gee, I was an Oz business and I didn't say buy, I should have. I, I really do struggle given how much growth is already in the stock. Right. At some point, you've got to say the story is getting closer to completion. The bull case was expansion in the UK and the US. The UK is working reasonably well. The US at the moment is really struggling at, at scale, doing okay, but they're in the top dozen or so cloud accounting software packages. That's not right. a great place to be scale-wise. So. I don't think I'd pay the current price unless and until we see more significant traction in the US. Great business, really well done. Great Australasia success story, as I said, um, but not going to buy it at today's price. Yeah. Uh, because you look at that five-year chart, Scott, and mm. it's basically doubled every year, has it? You know, it, it is phenomenal. 12 is... to 24 to 48. Now it's above 100 bucks, $117. Extraordinary. And you're a brave man to short it. So I'm not shorting the stock. I'm not going anywhere oh, yeah. near that. I don't think they can't do well. 
Um, but if you think about, you know, it, it, there is there is a ceiling for every business, and I, I think yeah. you know the, their ability to retain customers, to attract new customers, to grow the average revenue per customer, great, fantastic. But 150 over, about 100 and. Oh, sorry, actually, 870 times earnings. Bucks, sorry, not even, not even. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. So, you know, 870 times earnings at the moment, or something like that. Now, look, they will they will turn that into profit. That's not a real PE, but I don't, I, I can't see. I mean, you think about it, 870 PE to become a 15 PE, the yeah. profit profit's going to grow 50 fold just at the current price to stand still at some sort of average PE. Now, it might be a long time till it needs that multiple, but it's just too rich for me. Yeah, Mark. Um, and I, I concur with the uh, the issue of how good a business it is and how good a job they've done. Yeah. The trouble they've gone, and this, always, this was always going to happen, there's a point where if you have a business that's, that's priced on a multiple of uh, revenue or a multiple of customers or something that's not yeah. a financial, uh, because they're losing money, you know, so you, you can't put a PE on it until you make a profit. Yeah. So what they've done is over the years, they've managed to grow their uh, customer base by about 40% a year mm. uh, compound, which is fantastic. Yeah. And there's a point where the market expects you to make money. And it's the same yeah. thing with Amazon. Amazon went for a very long time not making money, but they were really making money. They had a 20 to 20% odd free cash flow every year and they were reinvesting in the business. Yep. So they weren't paying tax yep. on the earnings. So that yep. all made sense. And as long as they could keep growing, everyone yep. would go, that's okay. Yep. Uh, but there's a point where... And Zero did that. Zero did that. Now they've got to the point now they're making money. They, they declared their first profit. I think it was the first profit. This uh, year. Last yep. year. It was $4.6 million. Yep. Now their market cap $17 billion. So wow. if you look at sales, sales are about 700 million total. Yeah. So the market cap is 25 times sales. Wow. Uh, it's um, yeah, 24 times sales. Uh, the earnings per share are only three cents. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the share price is um, whatever it is. It's a lot, 118 bucks. bucks. So the problem they've got now is as, as the profitability continues, and they need to continue it now, yeah. um, at some point in time, you know, there's going to be a re- what's what's a realistic value for its earnings and its growth, yeah. which is where your Altiums and all those guys are at. You know, you're yeah. at a stage where okay, you're now a stable business and growing. That's great, and we'll still pay a higher PE. But the PE, according to me, my my data is over three thousand wow. on the on the current earnings. Yeah. So you say uh, it, obviously that's absurd because yeah. they can't grow fast enough to ever justify that. So at some point in time, either the earnings are going to catch up enough to be able to justify the share price per share yeah. uh, or there's a readjustment and, and it's a bit like gold miners gold, the explorers used to do the same thing they were worth potentially anything while it was a story but once you start making money oh that's now boring and now we can price it right and they usually go Pew! yeah okay <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah and they've got a lot of resources to uh, actually expand into the united states and europe and lastly they've had a massive tailwind you know yeah. through the last since 2009 i think they first listed or yes. they've been nine years they've been listed yeah. They're right place, right time. And as Scott said, they're one of the early software as a services businesses and yep. they've done really well. Just so they've had, they've had a lot of, um, you know, they've been in a very, very good environment, which is all great, but there's no way I could buy it. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to our next stock. And that's why I love the call. We go from high-flying tech stocks to dentists. And uh, Sammy wants a view, Mark, on Pacific Smiles Group. Now, um, they're a collection of, they operate dental centres, yeah. uh, many of them independent practices, and they provide all the backup administration and software <clears> and marketing and, and things like that. Sort of, would, would you say it's a bit like a franchise a franchisee type model? I think it's more uh, of a roll-up. So, you know, a roll-up. Yeah, I don't okay. think they've got franchises. Scott right. might correct no, me. No, no, no. In terms yeah. of operating, you use, if you run your dental practice, you've got to use uh, yeah. Pacific Smiles, uh, administration and I'm, that's right that's yeah. right 
Um, I think they own them though, don't they? Or, yep. Yeah, so the, the, it's a roll-up model. So the, the model is that you've got private businesses and as a listed company, you have a higher PE, so you can go in and buy the business for say four times earnings and you have a 15 PE, so you get a 300% uplift on, right. the, on an earnings accretion for the business. Right. So that, that model works. You keep, as long as you keep adding, yeah. And you don't, they don't go broke and they don't lose money. You tend to look good for a long time. So Pacific Smiles started off well, which is very typical of that model. Um, and they flattened for a while and then they've been sort of headed down and are running a bit flat now. So the EPS growth is now negative, which is not good. Yep. Um, they're actually at the top of the red of the PE range, which is um, they're on um, 36 PE for flat growth, which is like an all-time high right. on that. So that's not good. Uh, we're showing it returning negative 7%. On the current on the current financials, unless something changes, so uh, look, it looks pretty mediocre to me. I don't know the business well. Uh, One three hundred smiles, which is a competitor of theirs, we know very well, right. which is a very good business, similar model. Uh, they're too expensive as well, but right. not as expensive as this. Okay, because right. their performance is better. Right. So in the sector, you yeah, wouldn't one, do One three hundred. You wouldn't buy One three hundred. Well, it's just price it's, I, I wouldn't buy it right now because it's in the red of the right. P as well. But it's a hell of a lot better business than uh, Pacific Smiles in our view. Okay. All right, Scott. Pacific Smiles? Uh, Pacific, yeah, it's a fascinating business. Uh, this is one that, and Mark's right, these are two tortoise and hare businesses, Pacific Smiles and 1300. Um, 1300 has kind of ticked along for probably, and I haven't looked at the chart recently for 1300, but it must be, Mark, five or 10 years since it's actually had meaningful share price growth. And largely because yeah. it couldn't play in the acquisition game while a competitor was paying higher prices right. for acquisitions. And so it was kind of getting left behind. Pacific Smiles was the big aggregator doing some great things. It. The roll-ups have had a terrible history in Australia. We remember, of course, ABC Learning. We remember um, GA Education having its own problems. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, so, you know, roll-ups have been a bit hit and miss. RFG itself, arguably a roll-up the way it was run, Retail Food Group. Um, so, you know, they, 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 they should have great economics. If you think about the way you can roll up a business, conservatively done, they should be a great way to make money for shareholders, a great way for the business. You pay a low multiple cash, hopefully, that you've already got. Maybe you issue high price shares. It's value accretive the whole way through. Done really well, conservatively, sensibly. They can be really good value accretion on a financial level. The problem is that businesses that have had that model have very rarely been run as well as they might have been. And Pacific Smiles seems to have paid up pretty well that the share price over five years has gone almost nowhere, despite what should, in theory, be a decent business. Fair to say they've probably bought too much. In terms of the business model that you guys talk about, they tend to buy existing practices, um, occasionally a greenfield site and create it. So it's kind of part roll-up, part, part kind of, you know, creation of, of surgery. Then they get the dentists on contracts. So dentists tend to be sole practitioners, generally speaking. But both 1300 Pacific Smiles bring them into a, a payroll position uh, or, a, or a profit share position where they get mm. to share some of the revenue with Pacific Smiles. In theory, they believe that putting that side by side, the kind of the shared objective um, skin in the game thing is supposed to be good for both parties. It really has struggled to do that recently. And I have to say, that share price graph, not brilliant, and the PE is something like 33 times. Mm -hmm. So you've got a situation where, you know, shares have been reasonably flat, the PE is reasonably expensive, uh, and it really isn't showing the fruits of that acquisition. This is one you want to keep an eye on. I think if they can start to demonstrate some sort <clears throat> of success, it might be worth your consideration. But right now, you've got to say it's a it's a an attractive business model concept that hasn't yet been shown to really flesh out the way shareholders had hoped. And I'd have to probably leave this one on the table. I couldn't buy one three hundred either. I think that's no. too expensive, and I think people have probably bid that up for quality reasons. And I think those those quality reasons are well founded, but without the growth to pay for it, there's a bit of a kind of consensus multiple on that one. So I'd be leaving both on the proverbial shelf, okay. uh, but keeping a good eye on both because at some point either could mm. be a great acquisition if they deliver financially. 
Okay. All right. Great advice. Thanks for the suggestion, Sammy. Um, Rob Scott now wants a, uh, a view on WiseTech Global. This is, this is a great story. It's um, a company. It's a, a logistics software business, so helps uh, freight companies and, and trucking companies manage their loads and their freight. But the founder, Richard White, um, my brother-in-law, who used to uh, manage ACDC, remembers him as a roadie uh, for ACDC. And he, used, he came up with this spreadsheet on uh, uh, how to look after the logistics of ACD concerts as they went around the world. So he was in charge of logistics for ACDC. And he's now rolled this into a, into a, a global uh, cargo uh, platform. He also did it for the Angels as well, for anyone as old as me that remembers one of the great Australian <laughs> rock bands. It's a great story, Scott, isn't it? It, it, it is great, Koshi. And uh, at least the company now is back in black and shell yeah. with a thunderstruck, of course. Ah, <laughs> oh, boom, boom. Um, well the, done. The, I like that. The, uh, <laughs> it was it's been a fascinating story, right? It was a real darling stock for quite yep. a few years, went through the roof, everyone loved it. High, high share price was almost 40 bucks. And then there was a, a, a famous short thesis, and I have my own issues with short selling, activist short selling that choose to publish their, their case in the public domain and, and kind of try to create the outcome they're looking for, but I'll, I'll park that editorial for a second. The the, the short case and the, the journalistic kind of support, there was a famous, I think either Four Corners or 7.30 report interview with Richard White where he stumbled over some issues and it just left a really bad look. And that that fall, that precipitous fall you see on the far left-hand side of that chart is the short case. Um, so after that, though, the business has been rebuilding itself nicely. And there's some argument that the short case basically gave it a, a, a positioning to restart or rebuild itself, to, to kind of put some of those potential issues behind it and to rebuild the business financially in a, in a stronger, more decent way. So that's, that's I think, been, a, ironically, a good thing for WiseTech and the shares mm. back not too far away from that all-time high. So it's still trading on P of 160 times though. So the, the real challenge for investors is can the consolidation keep going? Global Freight 40 is massive and WiseTech is one of the very few businesses trying to generally uh, kind of put all the pieces together. There's so much paperwork. You think about how, how you know, we're talking about zero, right? You can, you can put cloud accounting online. Freight forwarding was still largely disparate systems, paperwork, literally physical paperwork, containers, signed documents. It is a mess. It remains largely a mess. If WiseTech can continue to gain traction, the, the business is so big. The, the opportunity is so massive. Mm. The total addressable market, as they say, is enormous. Um, I very tempted to make this on a buy, Koshi. It's not a, it's not a formal buy for us, the Motley Fool. So again, let me be just clear about you know what's a buy formally for us versus what I think is going to be market beating. I would probably put WiseTech on my buy list with Ausbiz. Um, I think there's a very good chance it beats the market from here if it can continue to operate successfully despite the high PE because the market size is just so enormous and it yeah. really is the leader in a very, very fragmented industry. And, and also those, those short sellers that really attacked this stock, it was on the basis of transparency and governance. And I suppose that's the kick up the backside they needed, uh, was it, to say, well, we're, we're no longer a little entrepreneurial stock. We're, we're a major corporate player now. So we have to get that governance and, and transparency right. Yeah, that's largely true. Plus, they've made so many acquisitions, tens and tens and tens of yeah. acquisitions, that the, 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 the challenge is trying to work out what was acquired growth and what was organic growth. In other words, yeah. if, you, if revenue is growing because you're buying other businesses, then you can't say, well, my current business is growing. You're just literally buying it. It's almost the roll-up that we talked about earlier with Pacific Smiles versus how well are you attracting new customers 
to your current business model. And that's yeah. that was the other the other part of the challenge. Again, I don't think that's necessarily completely proven out, by the way, but it does seem like Wisetech are delivering growth. They're still, as I said, they're profitable. The P is still sky high, so there's a lot of expectations still in the stock. But if the if the basic story can be believed, and I think it probably can be, though, yeah, you know, short selling always puts that element of doubt in people's minds. That's why they do it. That's why they publish those yeah. reports to try and get people to, to freak out about it. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out entirely. It's not a low risk buy either because of the potential short case or the frankly the, the triple digit PE. But yeah. I do think on balance, it's likely to beat the market. Okay, Mark. Uh, it may well do that. Um, yeah. the, the big issue for us is uh, it never doesn't pass our base filters. The return on equity is only 5%, yeah. which is unusual because they've got um, 30% EPS growth and 40% sales growth. And this is a, a business that should have lots of operational leverage in that uh, it's still a software business. As well. yeah. So as you add clients, usually those kind of businesses have really high return on equity. Return on equity is just saying, you know, what are the earnings for the equity employed in the, yeah. deployed in the business? Uh, we're a minimum 10%. Now Buffett says you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't get out of bed for anything less than 10. Yeah. Um, and uh, five and 5.7 on return on capital is really bad. If I look at the history of that, it was rising solidly <clears throat> from when they listed up to 2017, then it's been in decline every year since. Right. So it's gone down from 16 to five. I'd have to understand why that is. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a company like TNE, you know, which yeah. is a, you know, an, oh, it's in a different Technology area. Technology one. Fifty-four percent yep. return on equity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those companies are in that thirty to fifty percent, not five. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and we've always we always treat return on equity statistically. It's been a, in the long term, it's been a speed limit. Right. And what return you can get as an investor. Okay. Um, so, so that would be that would be uh, alarm bells, and then of course the it's at the top, quite close to the top of the red, which means in the PE ratios, it's at the top of the its normal ranges. Right. So, if you when we want to buy something, we really want to try and buy it in the bottom quartile, not the top quartile. Right. This yeah. is right up the top of the top quartile. Okay. So it makes which means by definition, it's very expensive, um, even by their standards. Okay. All right, let's recap uh, the first five stocks plus our, our focus of the day, which was on, on travel stocks and uh, uh, travel stocks that will leverage uh, the rebound um, as, as borders start to open and vaccines come in. Uh, from Mark Morland's point of view, uh, corporate travel and flight centre. Uh, from Scott's point of view, corporate travel and Webjet, are the, uh, the stocks you should be looking at. Um, First stock suggested by you, Commonwealth Bank, uh, a no from both Mark and Scott, although they would look at Macquarie, uh, which is outside the big four banks. Uh, Index a no, zero a no, uh, good business, but really high uh, price at the moment. Pacific Smiles, uh, Mark says no. Um, um, Scott saying, hey, no at this price, We're and the same with 1300 Smiles, um, but Put it on your watch list if they get it right could do okay uh wise tech a no from mark uh, a high risk buy would be a good way of describing it from scott in terms of wise tech now here at the call we have our own portfolio any stock that gets two ticks from our experts goes into the calls portfolio so let's check how it's doing um the last week remember it's been a bumper week on global share markets uh, the last week, the calls portfolio up 8.5%. Uh, for the last month, 3%. And for the year to uh, from July 1, um, the calls portfolio is ahead 19%. Uh, some of the stocks that have been added to the calls portfolio, uh, Deterra, uh, Clunavel, Globe, uh, Qantas, 
uh, electro-optic systems and some of the stocks taken out of the portfolio because if you're in the portfolio and you come up again um, to the panel and you don't get the unanimous tick of approval, you go out um, to companies there, Link Administration and Novanix have been gone out. Now, if you want to check what's in the portfolio, go to osbiz.co slash portfolio and we will keep tracking it. Uh, coming up this afternoon on Osbiz, we're going to be joined by Duke Exploration MD uh, Eugene Alescu, uh, fresh off listing on the exchange today. We took the IPO and what's to come for the miner this afternoon on the Pulse. That's 120 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. All right, let's get into the uh, the final five stocks suggested by you. Uh, Jenna wants a view, Scott, on Ridley Corporation. This is uh, basically a, an animal nutrition feedstock company, isn't it? It is, Koshi, and uh, from, from the sublime to, I won't say the ridiculous, really from the exciting <laughs> to the to the animal feed. Um, how to get super excited about Ridley, but there's an opportunity in some of these companies from, from time to time because the ones that the market is ignoring, we go from a PE of 100 plus on, on WiseTech to a PE of nine for Ridley. Mm-hmm. Now, just the, the basic maths, these, particularly these days with interest rates so low, you don't need, a, a low double digit PE is probably about market matching, depending on what discounted cash flow you use. And trust me, I'm not gonna go through the algebra here, but a, you know, a very low double digit return, um, or PE I should say, should give you a, a pretty much a market matching return with no growth. Now, if you're paying a P of nine for a business that has a long-term track record of doing reasonably well, and seems to me at least, and that graph shows it nicely, a very decent chance that the market simply left it behind in the recovery. They're two reasonable reasons to have a look at a stock, and I'm sure our, our viewers done exactly that and said, hang on, this stock's a single-digit PE, been left behind by the recovery, what am I missing? Now, animal feed can be cyclical, we know that. We know prices are super cyclical depending on feed availability, the size of the herds and different um, uh, stock around the country. You know, these things are really variable. And I've got, I'm the first to admit, I'm no agriculture expert. But I have to say, if you look at that as those sort of numbers and you think over mm. time is, is really likely to be a, a successful feed operator, given it's a very niche market, but really is probably the preeminent name or one of the two or three preeminent names in the sector, I don't know. I, I'm going to put this one down as a buy, Kosh. I Maybe it's the bargain hunter in me. Maybe it's the uh, maybe it's a value trap, to be really clear. Maybe yep. this gets worse before it gets better. But it's very hard to look at the combination of these and think, you know what, Australia's not going to have fewer stock animals um, over the next decade or so. Really less likely to do badly as a result of that. Again, it can always lose to competition, but no sign that's really happening. So if you get a chance to buy something like that on special, the contrarian in me says, you know what, I reckon that's a buy. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and particularly with cattle prices are up, they're rebuilding herds at the moment. Um, Mark, what do you think of Ridley? Um, yeah, I've never looked at it before, and uh, it's interesting. The um, I looked at their uh, margins, their net profit margin, and they've actually their earnings. They've been all over the shop over the years. Yeah. There's sort of swings over time, uh, which is probably as you'd expect. Yeah, with the, the agricultural cycle. Yep. yep. Uh, but if you look at their profit margin, it's currently 3.6 net right. profit margin, which is not high. But what's happened over the last three years, it's gone up from 1.9, 2.3, 3.6, and that has been reflected in their earnings. Mm. So the earnings have actually jumped up quite, quite well over the last three years because of an expansion in their margin. Now, I have no idea why that is, right. whether it's more efficiency on how they operate or yeah. it's just the reality of or feedstock price. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the, the point Farmers is that that's, that's encouraging. Yep. I'm actually showing the P at 7.6. Right. So it's even lower than what, uh, what Scott's saying. So from our point of view, uh, it's at the very bottom of the green on its PE range. So right. that says 
it's cheap for that company on yep. historical terms, which you're probably seeing there in the price anyway, because in that period, earnings have grown. Yep. Um, so we're showing you returning 21% a year on default, um, about zero on safety. Now, that's because of the you know, some of those dynamics. But if they can maintain their profit margin where it is at the moment, so mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of sales growth. Yeah. So, so the market's not, you know, it's fairly flat. That's okay. Because yeah. yeah. if they can maintain their margin, your return is going to be 21% over the next five years, all things being equal, right. which is cheap. Yep. Yeah, so yep. I'm going to put in as a yes as well. Oh, okay. Even though we wouldn't buy it. Team Invest wouldn't buy it. Right. It's only yeah. a 270 million market cap. Right. It's small, but, but the number's but, showing but, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Jason wants a view on Unity Group. Now, this is basically a, an internet, a broadband telecommunications uh, company. has uh, shown pretty good increase in cash flows. Uh, on their last last reporting, they have been subject to a, a little bit of um, uh, takeover uh, M&A rumour as well and some bids um, over the last couple of months. Mark, what do you think of you? Uh, difficult one. It's only got uh, basically, where are we, two years, I think, two years of information. Yeah. So, yeah, two, two full years. Uh, first year, you know, they made a, a, a loss, made a, a profit in the second year. So, you know, there's nothing there from the point yep. of view of to be able to look at it intelligently. I had, I had a look at the, just roughly on the data, it's obviously working the, um, as you said, in the uh, wireless fiber area and so on, which is obviously a great area, but there's lots of play, yep. there's plenty of competition. Um, so I really I really don't, and they're into towers as well, they want to do the, the relays and so on, which, okay, sounds good. Uh, can't, can't really add yeah. much. No, okay. I, I didn't get a chance to go and look up where the web on Yeah, it. Scott, uh, end of September, September quarter, $280 million in cash, no outstanding debt. Uh, hasn't been listed for very long, as, as Mark said. What do you think of Unity? It, it is a fascinating one. This could well be some, some hidden value, I have to say. And I, I, I would, like Mark, would need to do a bit more digging before I was mm. able to put my foot on this and say definitely a buy. What concerns me a little bit is you're an infrastructure player on 20 times earnings. Now, these these guys are generally speaking, you know, capital intensive businesses, hard to see where the structural growth comes from over the long term. And I have to say, that's my biggest concern, notwithstanding the cash, which is very reasonable, by the way, reasonable is in significant, so we shouldn't overlook that. And that may well be a source of hidden value potentially. So I'll put the asterisk on the on the avoid for now. Um, it's really, it, it's tough to see where the growth comes from, as I said. I think we, we all know there'll be more 5G traffic in 10 years than today. There'll be more wireless Wi-Fi traffic wireless Wi-Fi uh, tautology, more Wi-Fi traffic 10 years time than today. Um, if you're in that space, it's an attractive space to be, but once rollout finishes, you're really in the care and maintenance position. And the MBN is kind of getting towards the end of its rollout or has finished its, at least its primary rollout. There's of course, you know, talk about second versions and different you know ways of getting signal to the home and improving speeds and stuff. But I, I, it just is a really tough competitive space with high capital intensity, generally low margins. That's a pretty unattractive category in general. At 20 times earnings, I'd be absolutely avoiding it. Just, just you know, heuristically, looking at those sort of businesses and saying, you know what, you don't win very often with a business with those characteristics. Now, right. as I said, that cash might make a difference and I may be underestimating the future growth of the company, but I'd have to say this one's one that I don't feel good about buying with a PE, with a two in front. I'd probably want to be buying it at 13, 14 if I was going to at all. Uh, and that's a meaningful difference from the current market price. So I'd have to give it a miss. And and it, it's been on pretty much an acquisition spree over the last yeah. uh, last year or two. And it's got a bid in for Opticom at the moment. So <clears> it's <throat> one that's sort of growing by acquisition, which can also increase the risk, Scott, too, can't it? 
It does, and I think you know, scale is scale is absolutely the game. It's probably the right strategy. If you're already in an industry like this, you kind of say, well, you know, firstly, maybe you want to get out of it, but most companies don't. Most companies say, well, yeah. this is what we do. Let's do more of it. Let's do it bigger. Let's try try and grow our way out of, out of not out of trouble necessarily. The company's not in trouble, but let's try and grow our way to success. And that can work, absolutely. When you're doing it with acquisition, as you say, Koshi, you're putting large amounts of money out. We know acquisitions tend to actually not work out very well, generally speaking. The research is pretty ordinary on that. Unless you make a really small acquisition of paying in cash, um, yeah. that they tend to work a bit better than the average. But the average acquisition doesn't work out. And so if you're if you're, if you're acquiring just because you look at the market and say, guys, we've got to get big or get out here, that's not a great great choice of options sure. you know, if you're forced to do it because you need to. So as you say, that, that bid, look, if it's successful, really could be a meaningful in increment for you. And actually might really improve the business meaningfully at, at a scale level. But yeah. you are taking a lot of risk on that on that takeover being successful. Okay. Just to, just to add to that too, I just had a look at ServiceStream, SSM, yeah. uh, which is in the same area. And they did a lot of the MBN rollout. Right. That's an 800 mil market cap business versus 600 uh, for the company we're talking about. And that's a very profitable, very stable business. So yeah. uh, we're showing 12% return on a margin of safety on ServiceStream. So if you wanted to buy something in, in that, that space... Sector. I don't know why you'd punt on on um, uh, why you'd punt Unity. on Intec yeah. when, when uh, you can you could buy a quality business that's uh, got a proven history. Right. Okay. So Service Streamer, uh, a it's good SSM. Yeah. Yeah. Good yep. alternative in that sector. Uh, Scott Joe wants a view on CSR. They're in the uh, the building products um, uh, sector in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, also have an interest in aluminium um, in the Tomago. Uh, smelter. Mm. This is a fascinating company, Koshi, and, and this is we talked about cyclicals last week with Ingrid. This is this is one of those situations that you, you really got to have a view on the broader. Well, you don't have to have a view; you can simply avoid it. And that's probably what I do. But to buy it or not, to have a, a strong view on it, you have to have a view on the sector that it's in and the cyclicality of that sector. We know full well where the economy is at. We know what we're going through. Yesterday, we saw building permits numbers. Uh, up 15.4% for Australia. That's a positive for CSR. If you're in the building materials game, you want to see more buildings going up. So that that's a positive structural slash cyclical benefit for, for CSR. And I am an optimist. I do think the economy is recovering. I do think we will see more buildings start. So if you're in that frame of mind, then CSR is a business you might want to have a look at. The challenge, I think, is that's largely priced in. If you look at where right. we are, we're effectively the same price as a year ago. Um, that's, you know, given, given where the economy is at, given the uncertainty, I would rather pay today's price 12 months ago than today. Now, of course, it would be a terrible idea 12 months ago because we didn't know COVID was around the corner. My point is that we are in a weaker circumstance now than we were then, but we're paying roughly the same price. That doesn't seem super attractive to me. Um, current P is about 18 times earnings, which again, for a reasonably low margin, reasonably competitive business in a yeah. commodity-ish sector, not complete commodity, but close enough, is a tough way to go shopping for mine. I just think... <clears throat> You want to buy it at some of those, you see those dips there. This is absolutely sure. one. If you're, if you're a cyclical investor, if you like CSR, you want to invest in it, then put it on a watch list and buy it when the bad news is in, not when the mm. good news is in. Okay. Mark? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. We actually had a good look at CSR uh, in 2018 on that graph where it was down low. Right. <clears throat> it did pass all our filters and we, we got the, uh, this the CEO, we had CEO in as well and grilled him. And uh, basically what happened was we decided it was too hard. They right. do have some very nice products in Jiprock and so on, and, yep. and they are leveraged to uh, uh, building, which that's all fine. That's cyclical in its own right. But there's two other big issues, and one is the, um, is the Tamago aluminium yep. smelter, yep. Uh, which is a, you know, is a bit of a shocker. Now, the problem with that is I think it's the, the biggest or one of the biggest energy consumers in New South Wales, yep. as, as it is. They are in as a minority partner with Rio and a European company. 
And I said to him, well, you know, would you, are you planning on getting rid of it? And they said, we can't. Right. We're, we're stuck in the partnership. And unless they close it down, and then, so there's no way of selling it. Right. And the problem is they're getting murdered with the, uh, the cost of electricity. Right. So, and that's only going to get worse. So we, yeah. yes, he said, would you, would you be there unless, if you didn't have to be? And he said, no way. Right, okay. So they'd rather get rid of it. That was one. So that's and, our handbrake. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and, it's, and it's a potentially big liability because if they yeah, shut it down, massive. you know, it's been, and I think they've written a lot of it off already, but you've got yeah. make good, there's, you know, it's a dirty industry. Yeah. You know, there's all that. So that's, yeah. a, that's a question mark. And the other big one was asbestos. They've got liabilities uh, from the old, I think it's James Hardy, is that right? Yeah. Days with um, asbestos. And now they went out of their way to tell us that, oh no, all the actuaries have worked all out and we've, we've got a fund and da 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 You know, it was all going to be yeah. no problem. But in reality, some of the claims in the US, they're going back and reopening these things and going, oh, what was awarded wasn't enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a real risk there, yeah. uh, which is an unknown, and they can't do anything about it. I mean, yeah. Um, they're they're no. in strong financial shape, uh, but I agree uh, with Scott, it's way too expensive at the moment anyway. We, we rejected it even when it was at its low in 2018, right. which was about half where it is now. Right, okay. Yeah, for those right. reasons. All right, you, you can tell I'm an, an aged old rocker, but CSR, as a bit of rock trivia, is the company in Blue Sky Mining, the Midnight Oil yeah. hit. <laughs> Um, all right. Okay. By the by, the by. Uh, we cover it all here on the call. Um, Mark Dominic wants a view on uh, G8 education with a string of childcare centres, isn't it? And it is. Activities. It is. In fact, it's interesting when they um, when they came in, they went out of their way to say they weren't like ABC. Uh, ABC. Yeah. yeah. And, and remember what happened to ABC? Yep. Apart from dodgy stuff, yep. but yeah, was, yeah. it was a roll-up model again. Yeah. yeah G8 originally that. started off with they said they had this strict. Um, a return on capital and it faded really fast right because they had to keep growing and to keep growing you've got to buy stuff yep, yep. so it was like we said with the um, uh, one three hundred smiles and so on with the dentist yep. dental practice competition pushed the prices up and then it didn't work anymore yeah yep. anyway um, if you look at their uh, numbers uh, they look a bit sad it's currently on a, a PE of 11 which uh, is not a high in itself but their earnings have been in a downward trend which is much more important than share price yeah uh, from 2015 at minus 7.7 .7 per year with good stability. In other words, right. it's a consistent drop in earnings. Yeah. Uh, sales are still growing at about 5%, which is probably inflation in, the, in childcare, yep. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, so they're not really growing, and that's quite stable. So sales are stable, earnings have been going down, return on equity has been going down, which is now eight, return on capital six. These are really bad numbers right. okay. uh, for what should be a quite a stable, reliable okay. business. Yeah. Uh, and debt's gone up significantly. I'm not sure how much of that's from the um, yeah, the, uh, the new accounting standards are bringing leases in. You know, probably, right. That's probably part of it. But the debt's up to 130 now. Okay. Um, and look, it's just not... So we're showing a negative return. Okay. So a negative return of uh, minus three on safety and about a 5% positive on default. All right. Scott, what do you think of uh, G8 education? Of course, childcare centres have uh, taken a hammering during COVID as well, coming off a terrible year, aren't they? They really have. It's been a tough time to be a childcare operator. Look, for, for a period of time, of course, it was free. That was good for everybody. It wasn't yeah. like it for the government, but good for childcare operators, good for the the, uh, the parents. The challenge for G8, I think a little bit like Pacific Smiles, as Mark's alluded to, is the model should work really, really well as long as you don't get ahead of yourself. The problem is G8 got ahead of itself about 10 years ago and has never been able to really kind of catch up or, or whatever the reverse of catch up is, never quite get back to some sort of solid footing again. If you're buying, they're probably buying childcare centres at three and four times earnings. If you can do that, and use your own shares at 10, 15, 20, 25 times earnings probably at one point. I mean, that's, again, purely financial. That's really value accrued. If I could sell part of my business at 25 times earnings by another one at four times earnings, you do it every day and, and you know, twice a day on Sunday. The, the, it's, it's a really good 
again, it's all financial engineering, but it's but it's genuine and, and it's worth doing. When you get carried away, G8 started trying to do a dividend reinvestment plan to save the cash to, to do it. So the share count ballooned. They were trying to buy faster and faster. And as Mark said, you go from one center to two to four to eight to 16. You've got to buy more and more centers just to get the same percentage growth because you've got a bigger base. And that was a really... It just it just simply collapsed in on itself, not collapsed as a business, but share price wise collapsed in on itself. Has never really been back there again. I don't imagine we've got charts to go back far enough, but this was a, I want to say a seven eight dollar stock, maybe even higher mm, at some point. Wow. Now a dollar twenty five because the the the, the model stopped working. The way they were executing it stopped working, and it's a real shame because you could put this business yep. together. And frankly, this has got great operating leverage. If you can get to 95 percent capacity, the difference between seventy and ninety percent cost wise is almost zero. One building, a certain number of teachers. You got to add some more, a little bit more food and, and a couple of bits and pieces. But the costs are almost the same between 70, 75 percent capacity and ninety five percent capacity. So it's all cream, but it's hard to get those numbers. And mm. that's really that was the promise. But again, it's such an attractive industry. Plenty of people are there, and there's simply too much supply. And it's ironic that commodity, you know, it's a chokeh should be a commodity, but that's the way it kind of is operating yeah. as an industry right now. And it means there's no excess profits for anybody. I'd be avoiding G8. Okay. All right. Our final stock um, <clears throat> has been suggested by Latcham, Sinlay Milk, um, a dairy processor uh, based in New Zealand, uh, in the midst of a capital raising. As, as we speak, I think the, um, the shares are uh, suspended at the moment for a couple of days until they can raise the capital to uh, upgrade their, their plants in New Zealand. Uh, Scott, what do you reckon of Sinlay? It's a hard one, Koshi. The, before the, the halt, they were trading at 13 times earnings, which looked reasonably attractive. Um, so when I started looking at this, thought, I thought, oh, maybe that's worth doing. Certainly a boom industry, right? Everybody wants dairy right now, whether it's yep. uh, infant formula, powdered milk, massive export opportunities, great business to be in if you can get a decent margin out of it. The problem, of course, at 13 times earnings, all looks great. The company's raising capital, which is about 20% of its current issued capital. So that's a massive dilution. And right now, frankly, the use that money is being put to seems to me, based on the announcements, not actually be growth capital. They're going to use it to help complete some capital projects, which yep. in theory should hopefully reduce costs and improve profit over time and to kind of add general working capital. So that's a that's an instant dilution for not obvious instant upside or even short-term, medium-term upside. Uh, that makes the 13 PE look closer to maybe 16, 17 times. That's not super expensive either, by the way, but it's it's the commodity player. Um, Ex-colleague of mine sure. who's now uh, running our fund management business, Joe Magus, says you'd rather own the general partner than the limited partner. In other words, you want to earn the business where the money is made. That's the brand, not necessarily the supplier. Yeah. While the trend remains positive, CLA will probably do well volume-wise, but at some point, if the trend starts to falter a little bit, the pressure goes right back on the commodity supplier. And I dare say at that point, you don't want to be a Sinlay shareholder. Okay. All right, Mark. I agree with all that. And uh, the other thing they've had is they've just settled a court case where they got sued for uh, from an owner of the land where they built the new oh, factory inside. Right. Yeah, yeah. They said it's not a big deal, but it's part of the capital raise. Right. So part okay. of the capital raise isn't just going to uh, finishing off, obviously, projects they've got. It's to pay out a settlement for, um, right. uh, okay. for a, a, an owner. I think it's like a... Uh, maybe it's a Maori type. It was one of those companies. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it doesn't have enough history for us. We're actually showing you returning about 7.5% on safety and 29 on default if it, if it can maintain its EPS growth rate at 23%, which is what it's running at, Right. which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with everything Scott said, so I won't repeat it all. Yeah, okay. Uh, for us, too, all right. early, too early. All right. It's just got four years history. 
yeah. and you'd want to know what the capital raise. Uh, you know, when I read that this morning, I thought, oh, that that really that muddies that well, muddies the water to, yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, let's recap uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Ridley Corporation, a yes from both uh, Mark and Scott as a bargain hunting buy. Um, Unity, a, uh, a no from Scott. Um, Mark prefers in this sector uh, service stream if you want to get into that broadband telco market. CSR, a no. G8 Education, a no. Sinlay Milk, a no. Scott Phillips from Motley Fool, great to have you aboard, sir. Good to catch Thanks, up. Gosh, to be and Mark Ball, and always great to have you in here in our Brangaroo studio. Thanks from Team Invest. Thank you. Good on you. Yeah. All right, and that's it for our show today. If you want any stocks you're interested in, uh, analysed by our team of experts, email them in the call at ausbiz.com today or tweet us using the Ausbiz TV handle. Reminder, if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to catch up with everything that's been happening in business and finance and the share market during the day, um, subscribe to see it, the COB, Nadine and Scuddy wrap up everything that's happened during the day. It's in your inbox by 5.30 in the afternoon. Subscribe at osbiz.co slash join. It's a great wrap up of the day. And the Startup Daily Show coming up between 2 and 3 p.m. They look at all the scale up and startup companies that are seeking capital. Uh, Caroline Tran, the founder of uh, Air Creeks, uh, is the, as the FinTech opens up its latest seed round seeking investments to help them acquire new customers. Uh, Caroline will be doing her elevator pitch and being grilled by, uh, by Sam and also Simon between 2 and 3 p.m. So a lot happening on Ausbiz. You can today watch it through Twitter and Facebook Live and uh, every day just by downloading the Ausbiz app from, uh, from the um, um, iTunes app center and also on Ausbiz com.au. So a lot happening for the rest of the afternoon. That's it for the call though. Uh, short break, back with a whole lot more after this.